0: Hello friend, welcome back to the Wayfarer Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwell. Appreciate you joining me again today on our chapter of the journey, where we are in the second chapter of 1 Samuel, and it was verse 18 that I pulled out today. It says, but Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Today's podcast is entitled, The Movement and the Institution. As a follower of Jesus, I have been both grieved and incensed as stories continue to break regarding rampant systemic child abuse that was both pervasive and systematically covered up by the Roman Catholic Church. No one really knows how pervasive it was or how long it has been going on. The system still has its wagon circled all the way up to the Vatican. And it's not just the Roman Catholic Church. As I mentioned in a podcast a couple weeks ago, the Southern Baptist denomination recently released a report of all the cases of child abuse and sexual assault that they had been keeping under wraps for years. To the credit, the leaders not only owned up to the truth, but also released a list of all pastors, leaders, and or employees who were accused of sexual abuse over two decades. It's over 200 pages long. I was a young man when I made the observation that ministry is a profession. A person with no real spiritual calling or gift or even faith can go to school, get a theology degree, and get a job leading a church. Along my journey, I have met a few that fit this very description. They aren't really serving God. They're just earning a living. I would later go on to observe in my study of history that ever since the organic Jesus movement of the first couple centuries became both religious and political institution known as the Holy Roman Empire, professional ministry was conferred with a certain amount of worldly power. And the higher up in the institution, the more absolute the power became. You know what has been said about power, don't you? Power tends to corrupt. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. Give a man a robe, a title, a dark place, and the perceived power of salvation, damnation, and absolution over a scared and weak child. Bad things happen. Sadly, stories of Men like Bill Hybels and Robbie Zacharias prove that I will find examples of this in any religious institution. The church is not only filled with sinners, it's led by them as well. Today's chapter is a testament to the fact that the problem has existed forever. This isn't new. In the Hebrew religious system God set up through Moses, the priesthood was held by the descendants of Aaron. The tabernacle, that sort of traveling tent temple, was served and maintained specifically by the tribe of Levi. You didn't choose the role. You were born into it. And so we end up with a couple of hypocritical, deadbeat priests named Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of the high priest Eli. The author for Samuel is careful to contrast the two adult sons of the high priest with the boy Samuel, whose mother gave him to be raised at the temple, given over to the Lord. So Hophni and Phineas demanded that people give them their uncooked meat that was designated for sacrifice. Now the fat of the meat was supposed to be burned as part of the sacrifice and the meat was supposed to be boiled to get rid of the blood. That was part of Moses' law. But Eli's sons threatened pilgrims and worshippers and made them give them the uncooked and unsacrificed meat so the two of them could enjoy a nice rare steak on the grill. And then... In verse 18, it says, but Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Ephod was a a priestly garment. So here's a boy who had been given over to the Lord who was acting as a priest, while the priest's sons were not acting like priests. It goes on, Hophni and Phinehas also used their positions of power to coerce and seduce or perhaps Perhaps it was just that they actually assaulted women who served at the entrance to the tabernacle, sexually abusing them, just like modern-day priests and pastors who abuse their power and position to pray, P-R-E-Y, rather than to pray, P-R-A-Y. The author of 1 Samuel then says, Meanwhile... The boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord, in verse 21. The high priest Eli confronted his sons, rebuked them, demanded that they change their ways. They were unrepentant and refused to listen to their father. But in verse 26 it says, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with his people. So the author is making this contrast between the sons of Eli and the boy Samuel. In the quiet this morning, I couldn't help but meditate on this contrast. You know, the paradigm that Jesus created with his initial followers was that of spiritual disciples whose lives had been committed and changed by the indwelling Holy Spirit, and a dedication to love and humility and generosity and spiritual discipline followed. His followers then passed this paradigm on to their disciples, who then followed them. And pass it on to their own disciples. And so it continues like spiritual generations. But when the organism became an institution, spirit was replaced by human knowledge. Calling was replaced with credentials. Humility was replaced with power. Discipleship was replaced with academia. Spiritual authority was replaced by human bureaucracy. In the 40 years that I've been a disciple of Jesus, I've watched as many of the mainline church institutions, most of them actually, have splintered and imploded. And I personally don't think that this is a bad thing at all. Personally, I have found myself avoiding institutional entanglements on this earthly journey. I like being a wayfaring stranger, following Jesus where his spirit leads me. And so I press on, pursuing that spirit leading with as much love and humility and spiritual discipline as I can increasingly muster. Oh God, grant that I may never be a Hophni or Phineas. May I ever be a Samuel. I hope you have a great day, my friend. We'll see you back here tomorrow.